millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. After the apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season one, episode 12, Partners. The old man spent the rest of the day with Bill. They were feeling each other out, learning each other. The old man was sore and tired from the day's digging. He figured another day of rest couldn't do any harm. Another night of good sleep inside wouldn't hurt either. A couple more good meals to refuel. Bill seemed less concerned now, but was following the old man around, right on his heels most of the time, watching him. You're wrapped pretty tightly there, Marine, the old man observed after turning around and almost tripping over Bill. If we're going to hang out together, you're going to have to give me some space. The old man could swear the dog understood him sometimes. He felt sorry for the dog. There was a sense of sadness about the poor thing now. He really couldn't be mad at it, but what was he going to do with it? He remembered the military dog training manual and spent the early afternoon in the yard experimenting with different commands. The dog was amazingly well-trained. It could heal on leash or off like a pro. It would sit, down, stay, hold, and all the other commands that the old man could find. Not for the first time, the old man wished for the Internet so he could Google some of the more complex commands find out some of the things he should know about this dog's training. It felt a bit like he had a fancy new device and limited instructions on how to use it. But the dog was good. The dog understood things quickly and worked well. Well, Bill, if I have to be trapped with a dog in the apocalypse, I guess a well-trained dog is a good option. The dog seemed to be enjoying this, like it gave him something to do, like it was in his comfort zone, almost like he was showing off a little. The leaves in the trees rustled, pulling both man and dog's attention. A cold front was fast approaching. The wind rose up like a cold broom sweeping the last of the summer's warmth out of the woods. The old man suppressed a shiver and led Bill back inside. He thought about lighting a fire in the wood stove. It looked functional. But he knew on a cold, windy day like this, you'd be able to smell the smoke for miles. He didn't need to attract company. The gas in the kitchen stove was still working. The old man improvised a stir-fry meal with some rice, a can of soup, canned tuna, oil, and old carrots from the pantry. Bill the dog wasn't interested and gave the old man a derisive look after sniffing the cooking smells in the kitchen. Hey, in the apocalypse, you can't be choosy, the old man informed Bill. Everybody eats like a poor college student now. 
Bill did not look convinced and consoled himself by eating his own food from his own bowl. Now what am I going to do about food for you, dog? We might be going three to four days between towns, so we'll have to carry it somehow. The old man looked at the big bag of dog food on the counter and frowned. He returned his attention to the cast-iron skillet and stirred his steaming concoction. Bill, I don't think I can carry enough food to keep you alive without killing myself. A bit of Sophie's choice there, buddy. We'll have to figure something out, the old man continued. Bill looked at him from his spot on the floor. Any chance you have a cart you can pull? You know, like a donkey cart? Don't they do that with dogs? No? The old man finished cooking and ate his meal silently over the kitchen sink. His mind ranged across all that lay behind and before him now. His life as it was was gone now. The world as it was was gone now. Everyone he knew, everyone he had left was probably gone now. He still had that one hope that his son Paul was still in his world. That hope kept him going. That hope was big enough to keep him moving west. Strangely, he was beginning to adjust to this new life. The daily moving like a specter through the old world, running every day down the back roads and trails of his dead world was his life. Like he was sneaking through a museum and at every corner expecting to be shushed or caught or ambushed by ghosts. He was adjusting to the strangeness of it, the adventure of it. God help him, he felt pretty good today. He thought, that's what makes humans successful. They adapt and make the best of the situation. They keep going. If only Paul had found the mental and physical reserves to keep going, too, the old man would find his son one way or the other. He needed that now. And now he had a new partner, this big, smart, probably dangerous dog. Bill the dog. The old man smiled at the thought. Trapped in an apocalypse with a dog named Bill. It was absurd as comedy at its best. He bent over and gave Bill a scratch behind his curly ears. Bill gave the old man an adoring and adorable look. You're a dandy, Bill. How did you get so pretty in this crazy world? Bill thumped his big feathery tail one or two times on the floor in response. Shaking himself out of his reverie, the old man turned to Bill and wondered out loud. I wonder why the gas still works. Probably bottled gas this far out. Standalone system. And concluded, I guess sometimes the world leans in your favor. Even in the apocalypse, I'm not going to complain about it. The old man found a large pot and put some water on to boil. He could fill up that big kitchen sink with hot water, find some soap and shampoo and, and get cleaned up a little. The wind outside pushed pine branches against the house. The sun began to fade lower in the trees. The old man decided it would be best to do a bit more exploring in the house before he lost the light. In a back closet, he found some of the corporal's old fatigues that he could probably make fit. A little loose, but the old man didn't have much meat on him, so everything was loose these days. The camouflage coloring would be a plus, though, he, he thought. 
The old man also found the dog's military equipment, including a large harness with packs built into it. He turned to Bill, who was, as usual, sitting a few feet away, watching, and held the harness up to size the dog. Come here, dog. Bill stood and trotted over. The old man slipped the pack harness over the dog's back and snapped it into place. Well, 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 Sergeant Bill, looks like you'll be carrying your own stuff. Bill sat back down like none of this was particularly new or interesting. The old man moved on to inspect the corporal's guns. There were three long guns and a pistol in the gun case, which was open. Two shotguns and a rifle with boxes of ammo stored below. He lifted one of the shotguns out of the case and held it hesitantly. The old man was not a gun enthusiast. In fact, this open display of armament would have caused a panic in the city where he grew up. But down here in these Georgia woods, he knew it was the norm. He wasn't afraid or offended. He knew how to use a gun. He had fired guns. He just wasn't brought up with them. They weren't part of his life. He returned the shotgun to the case. Too heavy, he said to no one. Would slow me down. They returned to the kitchen with some long pants, a sleeping bag, and some other useful supplies. The old man filled the sink with warm water and proceeded to wash as best he could. The warm water felt good as he poured a cupful over his soapy tangle of hair and scrubbed out the knots. He could shave and trim up his hair, but he decided not to. It was the apocalypse. He'd just end up looking like an Appalachian Trail through hiker in a couple of days anyhow. Better to leave it as God intended. Nothing like a good sink bath, he said to Bill, smiling as he was toweling dry. Now I'm almost as pretty as you. He tossed the towel into Bill's head, and Bill shook it off playfully. The old man refilled his backpack with the things he'd needed to move again in the morning. He filled several plastic bags with the dog's food and tucked them into Bill's pack. Not a bad day, dog, the old man said with no small amount of satisfaction, snuggling himself into a nest of blankets on the couch. Good work done. Couple of good meals. Got cleaned up. He continued to enumerate to the watching dog. Even got you sorted out to travel he concluded. One more good sleep and we'll head out in the morning. He winked at the watching dog. Don't stay up too late. And with that, the old man drifted off to sleep. The old man sat upright and startled. It took him a moment to remember where he was. There was a dog barking, low, angry barks interspersed with growls. He shook his head to clear the sleep. Jeez, Bill, what's going on? What is it? Bill was barking at the window that faced the side lawn, circling and agitated, feet dancing on the wood floor, toenails clicking. The old man quickly came to his senses and pushed to his feet. He knew better than to ignore a warning in the apocalypse, especially this dog's warning. If Bill was worried, the old man was worried too. Quiet, Bill, the old man commanded in a low voice and approached the window from the side, staying out of view. Bill sat and held nervously with low growls. The old man peeled back one corner of the curtain to peer cautiously into the yard. It took him a few moments to understand what he was seeing. At first, he thought it might be those feral dogs again. But on further inspection, it looked more like a group of some sort of 
brown animals. What the hell? The old man muttered. Pigs, he said with recognition. Wild pigs. The old man turned to look at Bill and shook his head. Jeez, Louise, Bill, you damn near gave me a heart attack. He turned back to the window. There were probably ten of them, all different sizes. Some looked to be a couple hundred pounds. Some had tusks, like wild boars he'd seen in medieval tapestries. Then he saw what the pigs were doing. They were digging into the corporal's grave. Son of a bit, the old man muttered. Damn apocalypse. Dogs. People. And finally, like a curse word. No pigs. The old man grabbed a couple of pieces of firewood from the stack next to the wood stove and hurried toward the door. I'll scare him off. The big dog charged for the door. Wait. The old man held one hand out in a stop signal, trying to remember the youthful command for this moment. No, hold. The dog sat and obeyed. The old man advanced off the porch towards the pigs, waving his hands and screaming obscenities. Get off, pigs. Go on, get. But the pigs did not seem scared, more angry. They did not run. They bunched together and turned to face him, the big, tusky ones in front. The old man launched a piece of firewood at them. It bounced off the back of one of the big ones. The pig squealed in indignation and surged forward. Go on, get off, you ugly mothers. Get out of here. The big boars started to rush at him, and he quickly backed away towards the safety of the porch and launched the second piece of wood in their direction. But they were angry now. They weren't running away. They were charging towards him. He scrambled back onto the porch and up the front door as the angry pigs menaced him. The old man pulled the door open where Bill the dog was still alertly sitting. He turned to the dog and, remembering the command, shouted, Foss! which was supposed to mean attack in German. In an instant, the dog was beside him, growling, barking, biting at the pigs. It was a chaotic melee. Bill seemed to know he was outnumbered and backed away, circling the pigs instead, darting in to nip at them and dancing back. In the process, the dog gradually distracted and led the invaders away from the house and the old man. Bill kept them busy, staying out of reach and leading them away from the grave as well. The old man regained himself and sprinted inside the house to the back room and the gun case. He grabbed the rifle and a box of shells, cradling the gun and chambering bullets as he ran back towards the porch. He could hear the fight, the unworldly squealing of the pigs, the fighting growls of the big dog. He managed to chamber around, dropping the rest on the floor in the process. He checked the safety and jumped back through the door. Bill was keeping them busy. He wasn't tangling with them directly. The big boars were dangerous, and even a big dog like Bill couldn't face a pack of them in direct combat. Instead, he stayed out of reach, scoring points when he could find an opening. The pigs circled up like a herd of bison with their toothy snouts facing out towards a skirmishing dog. They wouldn't give ground, and Bill wouldn't leave them alone. The old man wasn't a gun guy. He knew he couldn't risk just firing into the scrum, so he plunged forward and pressed the rifle barrel against the nearest pig and pulled the trigger. There was an explosion, and the rifle kicked back onto his side painfully. The shot pig screamed and writhed on the ground, thrashing with pain and panic. The others ran. Bill followed close, pressing his attack, unfazed by the gunshot. The old man collapsed into a sitting position, holding his bruised side while seeing if there was another bullet he could get into the firing chamber. But it wouldn't be necessary. The pigs were long gone, and Bill came bounding back from the trees, looking satisfied.
You're a laugh a minute, dog, the old man said. What's next? Lions, tigers, bears. And then he added, oh, my. As an afterthought, because it amused him to do so, the big dog sniffed the pig that had, at this point, stopped breathing. The old man shook his head. Bacon for dinner, Bill. The pigs had not done much damage to the grave. The old man had to do some thinking about how to keep them from digging up the corporal again. At first, he thought about covering the grave with boards or tree logs, but he figured the pigs would just dig through them. He considered piling up big stones like a Scythian kurgan, but there wasn't enough stone around. Didn't know if he could handle the process himself without herniating a disc. He supposed he could just leave and not worry about it, but something about this dog made him want to do better, to be better. In the end, he dug two parallel trenches, just deep enough to park the corporal van on top of the grave. He let the air out of the tires and settled the two tons of metal and plastic onto the soft dirt. That should do it, Bill, he told the dog who was watching, interested. The old man took Bill back inside and cleaned him up with water from the sink. The dog seemed to have avoided injury. It was good for Bill that he was smart enough to keep his distance. Those pigs would gore you, gash you, even kill you with their tusks and teeth if given half a chance. The dog apparently was not all brawn. He had some brains, too. The old man settled the pack harness onto the shoulders of the big dog and cinched it into place. He stretched, bending over, stretched his back and legs, hand reaching to touch his toes, or as near to his toes as it could get. He straightened up and settled his own pack into place. He looked at the dog, then up into the gray sky. Come on, partner, he said to the dog, then turned and began walking. After a minute of walking to warm up his legs, he eased into his run, heading down the dirt road, west. The old man felt a slow, steady smack of his feet on the earth. He felt his heart beating out a familiar cadence in his chest, pulsing blood through his body. He breathed deep in through his nose, filling his chest and abdomen. He exhaled long and slow. He felt the energy of the earth as he always did when he ran. He felt the comfort of the dog trotting beside him and smiled a little. The dog was growing on him. He felt a certain affinity for it, a comradeship. Just a couple of days together, and they had already lived their share of adventures. This new world was growing on the old man. He felt some distance growing between himself and that great pile of bones. Maybe he would find some purpose in this world yet. Maybe he would find something to live for. Maybe he would find Paul. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, my Survivor friends. We're 12 episodes in. 12. And you have survived, so to speak, this far into the story. So thank you. This is Chris, your cruise director, producer, writer, that kind of person. Now we have Bill the dog and the old man in a partnership of sorts. Isn't that exciting? And maybe the old man is starting to step back from the brink of his fatalism. But what happened to Janet? What happened to KJ the killer? What other characters are roaming the apocalypse with them. Stay tuned to find out. We're up to about 2,400 listener downloads. That's great. Up 41% since I dropped the last episode. And I blame you, all of you who took the time to tell a friend, give us a like or review in your podcast app. Keep it up. I will work my tail off to bring you a new chapter every other week or fortnightly, for those of you who like that term. I'll commit to a steady release schedule so you can plan for it. I know I hate, personally, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I hate when they're inconsistent or when they fade out after a few episodes. So we've passed, at this point, when I'm talking to you, (laughs) that's the other funny thing about podcasts, is it's a bit like time travel. You could be listening to this 10 years from now, right? I, we could be in an actual apocalypse at that point. But it was this time last year that this idea of the old man in the apocalypse came into my head. And I remember very clearly it was the week that the pandemic started. And I was at a trade show in Atlanta. And this picture of the old man popped into my head while I was out early one morning running down by the Chattahoochee River on a rainy day and I said you know what this would be a great setting for uh, an apocalypse story so I wrote that first chapter on the plane back home and that was frankly the last time I've been on an airplane wow I have uh, read a couple of science fiction books since we last talked I'm an avid and voracious consumer of books and hard science fiction is my go-to love I think I found these books by some sort of best books of the year or Nebula Award winners or some sort of list somewhere on the internet. And I just went out and bought a pile of them from Thrift Books, which Thrift Books is a great place because you can get hard, actual dead tree books to thumb through. And I like that. And you can get them, you know, for three or four bucks. Good for the environment, I guess. I guess it would only be good for the environment if after I read them, I, I compost them in my garden to grow tomatoes, but I'm not going to do that. So the first one was called The Icarus Hunt by Timothy Zahn. Decent book. It's a bit of a whodunit caper, sort of a Philip Marlowe 
Maltese Falcon in space with spaceships. Uh, the tech was good. The characters were good. The action was good. The story moved right along. The guy's obviously a really good professional writer. It kept your interest by creating this tension around the big secrets, which I will not share here, no spoilers, and then slowly teasing them out through the narrative until the last act where we get the resolution. But towards the end, it seemed a bit rushed at, with the big reveal, and I was kind of it was kind of a letdown. I was kind of like, hey, wait, that's it? But yeah, I'd recommend it. Second one was a very interesting book, a much bigger book called War Child by Karan Loichi. And the characters, especially the main character, very compelling, very deep. And it has a bit of a Starship Troopers theme to it. And it was 400 plus pages long, but very compelling, a real page turner. So the only thing that bothered me, and I have to admit this, and they may, this may just be me, is they had this whole pirate child sex slave theme going on that really creeped me out. So on the one hand, it's a testament to the writing that it creeped me out so much. On the other hand, it's just creepy, and I don't read escapist science fiction to get creeped out. But this is an amazing piece of work for a first novel. So go find that. War Child by Karan Loichi. Uh, links will be to all this stuff. Everything I mentioned, I have links in the show notes, and I thought about that, and maybe you don't know what I mean. You can always find show notes on podcasts by looking at them in your podcast player or on the website. It's part of the file that gets delivered. So my website will point to Acast or, of course, the Patreon page. I post all this stuff there. So in your podcast player, on Acast or on Patreon, you can find the notes. They have the links to everything that I mention in my comments. So both of these books are good, hard science fiction novels. I'd recommend them. And I'll tell you what, if you contribute to the Patreon page, send me a note. I'll drop them in the mail to you. Well, maybe not if you live in uh, in Jersey, which is, and that's not New Jersey. That's Old Jersey. I got listeners in Jersey. So I'm still looking for supporters uh, to help me finance this. I'm going to keep it going, but the more support I get, the more rapidly I can turn out episodes. I want to thank my friends Tim and Dwayne for being editors for me. They pick up the stuff that I don't, and it makes the product better for all of us. The show is dedicated to them. And Tim, hopefully, you'll be able to download and listen to podcasts while you're out on the Appalachian Trail this summer. Okay, my friend, you don't want to get out of touch. Hope everyone is enjoying the spring or the fall, depending on which side of the planet you're on. And reach out and say hi at cyktrussell, two s's, two l's, at gmail.com. I'll see you next time, and keep surviving. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.